The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It is December 22nd, 2015, and this is Good Morning New York. Welcome back to our listening audience. Um, And it's holiday season upon us. We've just finished with Hanukkah, and now we are up really into Christmas and New Year's. It's a couple of days away, and I'm still running around in a panic mode, (laughs) 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 trying to get all my my bearings straight. Have you guys shopped, finished shopping? Oh, yeah. All done. Everything done? Oh, yeah. Mm, I finished in August. Mm -hmm. I I finished in August. No, I'll tell you why. Because (laughs) I think about everyone throughout the year, and that's my slow time real estate-wise. So Mm. that's when I travel, and I have the certain people in mind. So when you're traveling and you see something, this is perfect for Jet. This is perfect for, then I'll buy it. You want to know something? Many, many years ago, (laughs) it's only happened to me once. I was probably in my 20s, so we're talking a long time ago. I had gotten inspired by a few people who started doing their shopping in the summertime. So I said, okay, so this year, because I'm notorious, one of my brothers, sometimes two of my brothers and I are running around Christmas Eve shopping. But anyway. Um, Walgreens. Yeah, whatever you can find. <laughs> so I was inspired to shop in the summertime. So I got all my list done in the summer, but I was very disappointed because I thought – well, that's no fun. Right. You, you don't have you don't have fun shopping in the summertime for Christmas gifts. And then when the holiday season came upon us, I was like, well, I'm finished. I yeah. have nothing to do. <laughs> Even though I'm very right. last minute, you still have that angst and that, you know, whatever. And I just figured, mm, I don't know if I'm going to ever do that again. But so many people I know still do that and just claim it's the best thing in the world to do. Well, it is. And then I go through the stores because I do have that same feeling of, I'm all done. I, I'm not – in the holiday mix. But then I walk through the stores and I I absorb the holiday spirit and I look at the long lines at checkout and say, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> but I, I still get the hol- holiday. You know, you go look at the tree at Rockefeller Center oh, yeah. and you go across the street to Saks to see that big ice thing. So you get into the spirit. You're just not standing in line for 15 minutes to buy one little tiny thing. By the way, the famous retail stores are Absolutely amazing this year. Yeah. The the mm. the decor, the decorating is just beyond unbelievable. Mm. Better, I think, than ever. Yeah. Barney's, I mean, all of them. They just look yeah. incredibly beautiful. It's hard to get into the spirit this year because the weather. It's so uh. warm. I feel like it's not even the holiday. It's it's a Los Angeles it's, Christmas. Listen, yeah. I, 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 I took my, my childhood. I took my bag out this morning because I have to, in the next you know twenty four hours, decide what I'm putting in that bag to go away for a few days to the family. And it's like I'm packing shorts. T-shirts and flip-flops. <laughs> and I'm only going to Westchester. <laughs> okay? It's kind of like, whatever. It's not going to snow this Christmas, is it? It no, may. Well, it may. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where all of a sudden you may see it snowing. Like, mm. it's that crazy right now. 
Well, I don't know. And then I'm that going to great. Los Angeles next week for, for New Year's. I made that decision very quickly the other day, and I'm oh, thinking, all right, so I'll probably be cold out there yeah, and warm here. So who knows? This weather is I bizarre. spoke with my cousin yesterday who's out in Los Angeles. She said, it's going down to 39, 40 degrees at night here. They freak out. There's fr- exactly. There's frost on the grass. If you step on the grass, it crunches. And I said, oh, how nice. <laughs> A <laughs> friend of mine lives in L.A., and she puts her fireplace on when it's like 40. And I'm like, <laughs> honey, really? Fireplace? Are you kidding me? But it's a different kind of cold. It's that damp that gets in your bones because I grew up with this. Uh-huh. So we all did mm. at night because it really gets damp. And the houses are not insulated the way they are here. Right? They're not. So you do feel it. And talking about the holiday season, I didn't know this until I read this yesterday, but the second week of December is one of the busiest in the real estate calendar. Busy. Second week yeah. of December, busiest yeah. in the real estate calendar. I mean, typically the holiday season is, in general, is from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And we in this business always say things kind of slow down a little bit. But the second week is very busy. Contract signings jumped this year, just last week, you know, 10%, uh, according to latest statistics from a year ago, with buyers and sellers trying to take advantage uh, of price cuts and tax incentives before the end of the year. So we all know about that stuff, but I didn't realize it got logged in as being one of the busiest weeks in the in the talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, let's do some news here. Faced with unprecedented numbers of families in shelters and as many as 4,000 people living on the New York streets, Mayor Bill de Blasio said teams of social workers and police will seek out the homeless to get them services. The teams will canvas areas of Manhattan from Canal Street to 145th Street in Harlem, where the homeless have congregated. But those violating the quality of life laws by aggressively panhandling, uh, encamping uh, in front of buildings, or publicly urinating will be dealt with by the police, while the rest will be handled by outreach workers from the Department of Homeless Services. This is a fundamental change in how our city contends with a situation that has been intractable for so many years, de Blasio said last week in a speech to the Association for a Better New York. He went on to say, quote, the truth is that no city in this nation has cracked the code and figured out how to solve this crisis. Hmm, I wonder about that. TV and film production in New York seems to be booming with 46 episodic TV shows produced here in 2014 to 2015, up from 29 the year before, and 250 films so far this year shot on location compared with 194 for all of 2014. So it appears that New York City will continue to be the hub for TV and film, and we like to say keep those tax credits coming. In a testament to the fact that it can't, if you can't beat them, you should join them, three of the nation's largest residential neighborhood landlords, however, have held discussions with Airbnb about allowing tenants to market their properties on the website in exchange for a cut of the revenue. This is very interesting. Real Estate Investment Trust, Equity Residential, Avalon Bay Communities, and Camden Property Trust have all had discussions with Airbnb in recent weeks about joining forces with the home-sharing giant. Executives of each of these companies are talking. All three companies are interested in a revenue-sharing model with Airbnb that would expand the website's access to rental units across the country while allowing the landlords a cut of the action, all of this according to the Wall Street Journal. We'll talk about that in a second. After months of will they or won't they, back and forth, the Federal Reserve finally raised short-term interest rates the other day, uh, the New York Times reports, nudging them up a modest quarter of a point to between 0.25 and 0.5%. It's the first time in seven years that they've dared raise rates post-recession. But given the small percentage at play here and the fact that the move has been widely anticipated for some time now, could this affect our day-to-day real estate dealings? 
I don't think so. Anyway, let's just quickly comment about this Airbnb thing. I mean, you know, it's been such a controversial company, such a controversial website, such a controversy uh, just in general when it comes to brokers, uh, agents, landlords, people uh, looking for places to stay. Listen, we reported last week here that someone uh, has decided to Airbnb for a year in every neighborhood just to kind of test out what neighborhood is best. We talked about that last week on the radio, but now landlords are becoming, I don't know, caving in, savvy. What is the term? They want a cut of the of the business, and how is this going to affect our business? Interesting. Um, well, I wonder, I, I think it's very early, the discussion, so we don't know exactly what they're talking about. I'm not sure if the discussions are more about the landlord or, or these properties renting through the landlord, or is it more through the tenant? Um, probably through the landlord, the I'm assuming, right? I think it's the landlord. Right, so the landlord's going to be oh. the one posting on Airbnb in, in these oh, cases, right? okay. Yeah, I was more concerned with the tenants. Tenant, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that this is more that the landlord will team up with Airbnb, and the landlord will then be able to market the property on Airbnb, right? This is true. If if it's under 30 days, which I'm assuming it is, since Airbnb is still mostly 95% or so, uh, you know, I think their average stay is six days, Airbnb. So I'm assuming it's under an under 30-day program. It still won't be allowed in places like New York, I don't think, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, right. it's still because not Because short-term is just not right. – it's, so, it's such a small part of the market where you're allowed to do under 30 days in general because of co-ops and condos. Right. Um, and most landlords, if you're smart, you want a one-year lease. You know, yeah. you don't want the short term in and out, the transient. Um, and, yeah. and really just going through Airbnb is just like another Craigslist or any other, you know, website where you're not pre-approving and pre and qualifying your tenants. These people. Right. So I don't, well, I'm not really fearful yeah. of that. So well, I don't know what you guys I'm, think. You know, my only concern is, and, and Phil brought up a point, and maybe it's not going to be allowed here in New York, but, but I mean, who knows? I mean, the story I read did talk about New York City. So I'm concerned with, you know, our mm. opportunities or lack of, because landlords now won't necessarily want to rent even short term six months or one year or more yeah. because I think they're going to find it's a little more lucrative to rent on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so, you know, landlords are like anybody else in business. They're going to want as much revenue as they can get. So, and then what Rachel just, you know, commented on, you know, it, it's a transient kind of situation within buildings. So how long will it take for other residents in the building who have been there already under lease long term to really kind of get, you know, crazy Which about lowers that? the price. So right. if mm-hmm. the landlord thinks right. they're going to get more the, money for short term, what's mm-hmm. going to happen is the quality of the building is going to be lowered, in yeah. which case the rents are going to be lowered. Absolutely. Yes. I was so, going out with renters last week in a very high price point. They were looking at about 9000 a month. And one building we went into, the broker actually mentioned to us, oh, by the way, there's an Airbnb next door in the apartment next door. And they said, forget it. We don't know who these people are going to be on a daily basis. And they just turned around and left <clears throat> and forget that building. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a major so hot button with happen. me, as I talk about every time it comes up on the show. But, you know, uh, time will tell. And let's see where we're going to go with this. But it's interesting to see now that landlords are – joining, you know, the ranks of wanting to make more money with these people and are in dis- in discussions with Airbnb uh, it's about one of the sharing the revenues. It's hard to know. I read the article a few times because, of course, I'm very curious about it because I'm, I'm the founder Lease of, of LeaseBreak.com, which we do short-term rentals between one and 12 months, so we don't really focus on under under one month. But I was wondering who initiated those discussions, meaning that Airbnb is also in a lot of hot water because a lot of things that they're doing across the country. Absolutely. And so it's hard to know, is this something the landlords are initiating or is this really in Airbnb's 
best interest to try to team up with the landlords because they're probably struggling a little bit. I mean, there's there's a lot of negative press out there on what's going on with Airbnb, and I'm sure they're smartly trying to counter that and team up with some landlords. Whether landlords are going to go for this or not, I don't know. But, you know, Rachel made some points about why landlords may not want to have short-term renters under a month in the building. Um, but I, I'm very, very curious as to how this is going to, you know, unfold. I, I, I totally agree. So, again, a uh, hot button for me, but let's see where, where this goes. And certainly we will be on top of these new stories as they come out. So before we go to break, just a quick question because, you know, we are in the middle of the holiday season, as we keep saying. But while we... Uh, guessed that most New Yorkers appreciate the appeal of a stiff drink shared with friends and a brief respite from the work-crazed lives that we live. Or compact living spaces are a factor in planning for any parties. Would you prefer to host a party or be invited to someone else's house? Be invited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to host. Yeah, I, I like, have a much larger I space. I like to host. I absolutely like to host. Yeah, I, like I know host. you lo- love to What about you, Phil? Um, I think um, it's a lot of work to host. It's yes, a lot it, of work. it really is. And, and, and that's the, that's the only and a thing. Big, and a big expense. Yeah, yeah it's a big expense. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Um, when I do do it, it's incredibly gratifying. But man, it's a lot of work. And I yeah. give credit to people that do it and do an amazing job yeah. at it. <laughs> um, so I would say at this at this point in my life, I love to, to be a guest. <laughs> Which goes back to the summer where, you know, I was definitely, we had this amazing house and we were like, we are not entertaining at all. So it was the, I just went the other way because sometimes we host events, but I just was like, I'm going to be selfish and we're not going to entertain. Not in my summer. (laughs) (laughs) But I just recently had a holiday party um, and, 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 you know, I, I enjoyed that hosting aspect, not to say that I don't like being invited. I like that too, but um, (laughs) because a party is a party or, or drink with a friend or, or a bunch of friends is great. But um, I like I like to host. I like having, you know, everybody to my house and just, you know, doing whatever. It's I like having a conversation. And when you host, the problem mm-hmm. is that you literally are three seconds with each person. You're busy introducing people. You're making sure yeah. the food's out. You're worried about if everyone's have, having a drink in their hand. So I really just enjoy having a conversation and you know, that's, meeting that, people. That's another good point, too, because I, I've said for years, it's like going to your own wedding, okay? Because yeah. yes. you don't have time yes. to appreciate the food, the drink, mm-hmm. even the mm-hmm. conversation because you're pulled in so many different directions mm-hmm. and you have to do too many different things, uh, you know, and, and when you're a guest, you just go and have a good time. Anyway, we have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're sitting here today with an abbreviated panel, Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Element, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. Good morning once again to my fabulous Happy panel. Happy holidays. Good morning. The other three are off and in Europe, and one is sick, unfortunately. Ivy is not feeling well today, so we uh, will carry on, as they say, and carry the torch. I was reading an interesting article in the New York Times Sunday real estate section, I think it was two weeks ago, and it talks about record prices, skinny skyscrapers, celebrity listings, and architectural debuts of buildings. It's been an eventful year in New York City real estate. Let's test our memory with a short, quick little quiz. So, number one, the actress Demi Moore no listed, cheating, Deb. listed the triplex <laughs> South Tower penthouse in the San Remo, uh, where she bought with Bruce Willis, her husband at the time, long ago, along with a two-bedroom masonette. So she listed the penthouse and a two-bedroom masonette. What was the asking price? $75 million, $50 million, or $22 million? And I know what she paid for the apartment. Seventy-five million. Seventy-five million is the answer. Yay! They paid nine million dollars in the in the. I'm going to say early two thousands, and that was a lot of money then. Yeah, a lot of money then. So but the, the San Remo was, was great. just the penthouse, not the masonette. That, yes, that's right. And the masonette, I didn't remember. Just a few more million, but nothing near seventy-five million. The sad part for Bruce Willis is they divorced, and she got the 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 properties in the divorce settlement, so she gives nothing to him. Isn't that something? Who says she's going to get that price? It's is already it still gone. on the market. Oh, it, is no, it? it's sold. Sold. Shows you where I did. It was on the market for a while. That I'll give you. It was on the market for a while. I wonder but if they got that price that because of who they are. We talked about that. Do yes. Do you get more if it's a celebrity owned apartment, or is it just the building, which is just incredible, and it really was worth that? In this in this particular yeah, case, yeah. I think it's, it was a combination of both. The, yeah. the The apartment was beautiful. The building is storied, and it was Demi Moore. I would just say Yippie Kaye. All day long, if I lived in that apartment. What's the closing price? Is that? <laughs> You'd I left the second half out of that <laughs> line. <laughs> That's not fair when I'm sipping coffee. <laughs> you would entertain. Oh, I would. I would definitely host parties more. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, the next one: a 25-foot wide Greek Revival style townhouse on a prime tree-lined street in Greenwich Village at 20 East 10th Street. Beautiful, a beautiful address between Fifth Avenue and University. Wow, was bought by a celebrity couple for 18 million nine nine. In 2011, it sold for 18.25 million in July. Who was the famous couple who owned it? Hint: Check out the closet and the dressing room. Brooke Shields and Chris Henchy, Giselle and Tom Brady, and I can't say her last name. (laughs) And Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. I know it was Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick because I followed this one with interest because they initially listed it. I forgot where, but in the stratosphere. In $25 million. And, Yes, and at that Fred point— Fred Eklund had the listing. Okay, and I know at that point, the street, the neighborhood was hot, but not that hot. Mm-hmm. And yes, they renovated it, but they didn't renovate it. And I was thinking, this is going to sit. 
this is, and it's very interesting. They, you know, we they have a. It's um, sad. It didn't sell so quickly. Yeah. It, it's sad, yeah. and it, came, it was reduced from twenty five million. I followed it also from twenty five yeah. million to twenty one million to twenty million to nineteen million. You know, I don't remember what the last asking price was, but it sold for eighteen point two five. So they didn't make any money on that deal. Wall Street has a saying. That bears get rich, and bulls get rich, and pigs get slaughtered. There you go. And it's kind of sad. But, you know. Here's the next one. A new round of tall slanders. I haven't heard that one in a very it's long a time. It's a good one. It's a really good one, but it's I, I, right on. A new round of tall, slender skyscrapers aimed at multimillionaires and designed to raise about 1,000 feet or more with beanstalk proportions made headway this year. Which is the skinniest? 53 West 53rd Street, which is a a 1,050-foot tower next door to the Museum of Modern Art, 111 West 57th Street, um, or 220 Central Park South, um, 950-foot tall limestone tower designed by Robert A.M. Stern. So 53 West 53rd, 111 West 57, or 220 Central Park South. No idea. (laughs) I'll give you a hint. 57? Billionaire's Row. There you go. 111 West 57th. I don't know. I forgot all my gifts upstairs. You know, look, we talked about this before, these sliver buildings and how tall they can become and and how much taller they can become. It's absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, here we go. And there are a few more. So a gaggle of nonconformist buildings going up along the High Line, West Chelsea's elevated park area, began sales this year. Name the architect who designed designed the curvaceous residence at 520 West 28th Street. Is it Zaha Mm -hmm. Hadid? Zhu yes. Chan or Thomas Hansen? I know that one very well. It's it's the first one, Hadid. Hadid, exactly. Yeah, yep. I do a lot next door at the building, which did the art building did an amazing, oh my God, insane. The pioneers who purchased in yep. that building five years yep. ago mm-hmm. doubled their money almost. Yes, they did. Um, and this one's an interesting building, though. It's It kind of looks like a spaceship, sort of. It's it's very unique. It took me a while to appreciate everybody. it. No. Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to appreciate it. I'd zip by in a cab. I'd say, hmm, what is that about? Yeah. But then, you know, it, it kind of charms itself after a while. It kind of sticks out. I mean, it doesn't look anything like anything else around it, but it's, you know. Yeah. What is it about that place then that makes it so, you know, attractive? I mean, she's a star architect. It's on the high line. Uh, her The price per square foot, you have to justify that high price per square foot with amazing finishes and appliances and they're going to go crazy and I I think they'll do well in this market um, because of the High Line and Hudson Yards and everyone's trying to go get in early in that area Mm -hmm. so I think they'll do well I I can see five years from now that whole High Line area with the the build out of the West 30s and everything that's going on around there it's going to be just amazing I can't wait to see what what the price per square foot in all of these places climbs to eventually Mm -hmm. because it's going to be enormous the 7 train that lined very well with the debut of the 7 train and when they launched sales that was everything perfect timing do you you know if they're ever going to open the 42nd and and stop you know what I'm talking about because it skips a client just asked me that the other day it was supposed to be on either 46th or 47th street and 11th you know, it it's it, it was, was in the plans. It yeah. just wasn't approved. Yeah, 
So who knows uh, if they're back it, it, in front of the council? It's a big to, miss, I think, because it would just be great to have a stop right there as well. Oh, There's all those buildings right along there. Well, yeah. I think yeah. eventually it will happen. I think it was a matter of um, finances, mm-hmm. and they wanted to get the 34th Street station well, first. Hudson Yards probably, right? Or Hudson Yards first, because it's obviously a lot more political. Yeah. But I think, you know, at some point, and, and probably within the next 10 years, I can see a 46th or 47th Street stop. Apparently the lines are like there. They just, yeah. like the Second Avenue train, they just have to get there and finish it. I but think so. It was a financial decision mm-hmm. when when I well, when I was selling the 505, that was one of our mm. pitches until we heard that. Oops, it's not been approved, so we can't talk about that. But you can take the train at 34th Street and walk up. <laughs> don't don't know how that worked, but anyway, <laughs> the city's first micro apartment complex at 335 East 27th Street began leasing market rate studios last month, starting around 2,500 a month. How big, or rather, how small are these units? Four to 500 feet square feet, 330 to 430 square feet, or 260 to 360 square feet. I'll say feet. 260 to 360. I was thinking the same thing. Same thing. They're 302 square feet. That, yeah, they're tiny. Yep. 260 to 360 yep. square feet. Yep. Wow. Teeny tiny. But a mansion in New York City. But if anyone knows Tudor <laughs> City Apartments... That's about the size right. of Tudor City Apartments. Tudor That's City right. Apartments are very It's basically yeah. a hotel room. That's right. Five, five yeah. Tudor, 25 Tudor, and 45 Tudor. Tudor. Yep. Yeah. They all have those really small studios. And I mean, they're charming, and those yeah. buildings they're are really kind of nice, but yeah. those spaces are tiny. I don't small. even know how you can live in a space like that. Right. I, mean, I did. Do you remember? <laughs> I did, too. You remember my old apartment? <laughs> no, I didn't see the oh, your first one. Oh, you saw the large one. I saw the yeah, large one. Yeah, I lived in 300 square feet. And it was kind of liberating. Yeah. It keeps it simple. You don't buy a lot of stuff. Your, yeah. It forces yeah. you to get out. I get that. I my like studio was too. tiny yeah. also. Yeah. But yeah. 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 I oftentimes, I complain about, you know, small spaces, and my first studio was very small also, but I sometimes think it would be interesting to go back to a space like that. Mm-hmm. It's almost free. Right. You yeah. In fact, that's a long term goal of mine. I'm sure for you guys as well. Like eventually I want a little pied a terre in the right. city where it's like a hotel room. Totally. Mm-hmm. Just a little place to crash. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I totally want that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to keep up with too much anymore. A smaller space in yeah. and out. You know, that's it. Wow. Yeah. I lived in a six by eight room for about a year and a half in the village with two other guys and my room was six by eight. Two guys really? in the same room? No. Oh. <laughs> they were in the six apartment. Six by eight. eight. In the same wow. apartment. It was like with three guys in an apartment. Oh, I had gotcha. the smallest room. It's my not room even was, a legal bedroom. It's, I don't think it was. I think it was probably like a former walk-in closet. Did a bed yeah. fit in there? We did a loft. I had to do a loft bed. So, oh. yeah. And it was, and was there the a ceilings window? were high. There was a window. Okay. Right? There was a window. But I mean, it was really small and my furniture was so big, it was a joke. Like, I wish I had pictures <laughs> of this apartment. I mean, furniture in six by eight. Huge furniture. I don't know how I because I, I came from a previous apartment. I mean, it was just it was just really funny. Unbelievable. Anyway, my mom hated when I was living there. This is like 15 years ago. Well, listen, anyway. small is 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 all the rage. Is a show on HG, HGTV with these mm. tiny little you know two by four houses that people leaving big homes and buying these little dinky houses yeah. and living literally in one room. And I don't even think they're six by eight. In yeah. some yeah. cases, they're really small. In fact, trailers in the Hamptons are the rage on the beach. Mm. People are buying these little containers and living close to the beach. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. containers. Like yeah. Containers. Yeah. yeah. Sounds that like look like trailers, little... basically. They're actually mm. bigger than you think, those containers. Yeah, once yeah. Once you're standing there yeah. as opposed to driving by one. But really? Still, yeah. My yeah. friend lives in an Airstream for, the, like for the summer. Yeah. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, he loves it. All right, the next one. A penthouse sold for more than $100 million, shattering the record for the highest price ever paid for a single family, a single residence in New York City, what is the address of the building? 15 Central Park West, 157 West 57th Street, or 220 Central Park South? 
Hundred million dollar penthouse. I thought it was one fifty seven. Was it or was it the? It was one fifty seven. I think so. One fifty seven. It's one fifty seven. Yep. Okay. Uh, it was just shy of a hundred million dollars. Ninety. Something was it the million. one like the Russian billionaire's daughter yes. or something like that? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. the one. I mean, at fifteen Central Park West, I think one sold for eighty something million. Yeah. Last year. Uh, but, you know, we're up there. Julia Child's former home in Provence was listed for sale on the open market for the first time in, for the first time with her kitchen largely intact. Which item is not original to the kitchen? Storage labels, pegboard, or the stove? Think about it. I'm going to say stove. You got it. <gasps> I really didn't research before the show. I really guessed that. I didn't know that one. It makes I sense, thought, though, mm. right? Because, like, she's a cook. She needs to be, like, on top of, like, Blue Star, Wolf. Right. Like, she needs... That. And she's probably yeah. changed appliances yeah. a few times because she was not only a cook, but she yeah. was a heavy-duty cook and did a cooking show probably from, from that house. I yeah. remember that. My dad used to watch her show. Mm. Anyway, uh, the median price of a Manhattan apartment reached a new high in 2015. What is the current record? 500000 999000 or $1.45 million. The median price, price. The median in price. 2015. I think I read it was one four. i I'm thinking one four also, one four five. Mm. It's, it's the average of the medium. I know the average price, I think, is around a million right now, right? Or a little over. So, one, four, five is for condo. It's just a trick question. It's for uh, condo. So, it's a million. Right? Nine, nine, nine is for everything in, in yeah. general. Yeah. Co- yeah, or, co- or condo. So, yeah, nine, nine, nine. Um, certainly not 500. And I remember the days when it was 500. An enormous brick townhouse in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. With uh, a built-in four-car garage, broke the record for the biggest, highest price ever paid for single-family residence in Brooklyn. What was the price? Eighty-eight point two million, twenty-five million, or fifteen point five million? Brooklyn, Cobble Hill. This just happened. I don't think it's eighty-eight. I think it's twenty-five. Is either that or? Actually, you do a lot of work. Is it fifteen? It's fifteen point five million. Uh, yeah, it was either wow. it was fifteen or twenty-five. Okay. We talked about that last week. And yeah. the last one is more and more Brooklyn sellers are listing their homes with Manhattan-sized prices. Where is the most expensive listing uh, located? Brooklyn Heights, Dumbo, or Williamsburg? Three great and very up-and-coming neighborhoods. But where is the highest price in the last several weeks? What is it, Williamsburg? Williamsburg, Dumbo, or Brooklyn Heights? Oh, it's tough. Highest price per square foot. What do you guys think? I'm going to say... And it's not highest price. It's, it's what right now is listing the, the, the most expensive listing. Yeah. Right. Oh, the most expensive. Not price per square I'm foot. I'm thinking the most Brooklyn expensive. Heights, right. but I don't think uh, I'm right. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to I think Brooklyn Heights, too. Bingo. Brooklyn Heights is the answer. We have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and I'm beginning to get more and more into the holiday spirit. And it's, you know, after the show today, I'm going to go to my office for a little bit, and then I'm gone. Me and my jeans and my boots today. (laughs) Anyway, Red Hook, talking about Brooklyn, has come a long way from its gang-infested days in the 1980s when the South Brooklyn neighborhood was infamously known as the crack capital of the world. But over the past few years, that, that, that little peninsula has battled back with the addition of big-name retailers, trendy restaurants, just like all the other neighborhoods we talk about, and high-end residential development. Although the neighborhood, which is tucked between the Buttermilk Channel and the Gowanus Bay, was hit hard by Hurricane Sandy, it has since fully rebounded. But, you know, transportation to and from Red Hook is such a nightmare. So, you know, my question is, what is the lure of that neighborhood? And forgetting the transportation, it really is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's tucked away, you know, kind of out of the way from most other Brooklyn destinations. Why Red Hook? Uh, I'm going to say... Other than Ikea. Yeah, it's hard to find an industrial area that's by the water. So the industrial areas that are by the water that I know of, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to throw out neighborhoods... Um, well, Williamsburg was a lot like that too. It, yeah, for a while. look what happened. And but what it happened. doesn't have the transportation like Williamsburg. No. Um, but there's just not a lot of those areas. So, what attracted my friends who went there is the fact that it's not overpopulated. Um, <clears throat> there's charm, like e- just oozing out of every corner. And it really does, like the West Village. I mean, it's just charm throughout and yeah. Village. Those it's little just, row houses and some yeah. of those brownstones and stuff. Yeah. And again, I think the fact that it is tucked away, I mean, I like tucked away, but but then, you know, if you have a car and you drive everywhere, but then yeah. when you think about, you know, the train transportation and most people needing to get to and from, whether it's Manhattan or even downtown Brooklyn or yeah. wherever they're working, it's a it's a real pain in the neck yeah. to, to commute from But people don't mind driving when they live there. They Uber, cab it. Um, and it's a real community. That's what mm-hmm. people don't know. Mm-hmm. It actually, they have that block the draw. yard sales and, and block parties. Block parties. They, and they absolutely. really love each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some things that I've, that you don't see in other neighborhoods. No, I, I, I agree. And yeah. with all of the, the different neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and they've all changed through the years, and they've all become very unique and very, mm-hmm. I, you know, more so than the neighborhoods in Manhattan where we have, you know, different pockets of, of things. But in Brooklyn, everything is really completely unique, one one town from the next, so to speak. But Red Hook, I would agree. I mean, yeah. I, I questioned this many years ago when it came up in discussion um, for something else I was doing, and now I'm looking at it. And it's beyond the gentrification. I think you're right, Rachel, with the with the people uh, and the camaraderie and the the neighborhood feel probably rivals, you know, the old West Village right. kind of, you know, uh, feeling back then the in the Bronx day. Bronx is really going to be that 
other neighborhood close to the water, industrial, but we'll see if that's going to be the same as Red Hook. On, South Bronx is on South Red Bronx. Hook, do you know who brought attention to that neighborhood 10 years ago? Because I remember I, when, when you mentioned Red Hook, uh, Michelle, Barbara, Barbara Corcoran yes, bought there Michelle Williams in 2005. Too. I just pulled up the article. She did? She yep. made a, a big yes. stink about the neighborhood, and then it, and it turns out that she actually bought there. And what did so, she buy? Uh, An apartment? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, snapping up a house for sale yep. at 293 Van Brunt Street for about yep. $1 million. What's her angle in the place? Um, prox- um, it says just, well, basically it's just saying that she thinks that's going to be the next hot neighborhood. This is in 2005. She paid a million dollars in 2005 yeah. in Red Hook. Right. And then, of I course, the why, financial though. crisis hit. And then, you know, now it looks like it's coming back again. Yeah. You know, not for anything. I love Barbara Corcoran, but I mean, wow, a no, million dollars why. in she 2005. She has a theory. No, she had a theory, and she used to tell us this when I worked for Corcoran many years ago when she still owned the company is the way you tell what the next up-and-coming neighborhood is is you go to the coffee carts and see how much a cup of coffee is. Isn't that something? When the cup of coffee is 70 cents, you start looking. And you look and you look. Okay, that was over 10 years ago, but now it's a little more. I get her point. Once the coffee starts going up, just a little bit, you know that's the next up-and-coming neighborhood. Then you go to the green grocer and you see how much things are there. It's the little day-to-day things during the day, and then you drive back at night, and you see what's going on at night. If you don't have the gangs, if you don't have crime, if it's dead quiet, you know this is the next neighborhood. And that's and it was with relation to this that I heard her speak about this. Well, you know something? She's a very purchase. sharp woman, and clearly yeah. she's very successful because she isn't mm-hmm. stupid. And you know what? She was right on the money with yep. Red Hook. Yep. I, I'm just shocked that anything in Red Hook— in 2005. <laughs> it was a million, yeah. million dollars. Yeah. But, Must have been a huge house. It was a big building, and I think it had commercial space. Which I'm had, sure it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that made sense yeah. to her at the time. Interesting to see if she still so owns that place. Anyway, a client looked up his apartment's history and found out the tenant before him was rent-stabilized. And we have our renter um, expert here. <laughs> the apartment was extensively renovated before they moved in. But I'm wondering if we still are supposed to be stabilized and if I have a right to find out how much a landlord spent spent renovating. What are the next steps of any? So this is this is a million dollar, you know, question and conversation all the time. So mm-hmm. how do I go from rent stabilized to free market? Do I if the person before me was rent stabilized and then they renovate, which happened to me, the person before me was rent stabilized, they moved out, they renovated, I come in and I pay market rent. So I sit there and I say, well, you know, should I really be stabilized too? Or how much of an increase should I get? Blah blah. Big question. Right. Yeah, it is a big question. And the good news is you could find out. So all these rent-stabilized apartments are listed at the New York State Division of Housing and Community Renewal. So you, you said that so, so well. Yeah. Well, I, I actually wrote it down. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to forget. So I, I, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, so these apartments are listed, and that's what the city suggests you do, is that you call them and ask them. And there might be now, it might be online. I'm not sure what version they have. Um, there actually is a website that I came across the other day, which is something like amirentstabilized.com or something <laughs> like that, where you can also go and put your building <laughs> in. But they also will send you to this website as well. So this is the authority on whether something's rent-stabilized or not. The one thing I'm not 100% sure on, Vince, and maybe you are, is – whether or not you'll be able to see specifically what the previous landlord paid for renovations. I know that 
Um, the landlord has to submit all that paperwork. It's very detailed. Here's what I spent for innovations. Because of that, here's what I could raise the cost, of, uh, raise the price of the apartment, etc. I'm not sure if you are Vince, if the if you could see what those renovations, the details of that. I'm not sure either. I would suspect yeah. that um, you're correct that they have to file extensive paperwork and they have to disclose what they do spend to prove you know an increase. But I don't know that that's available to us to see. Right. I think uh, that you again, can find really it if you go one step further from my understanding. In the past, I, yeah. the major capital improvements are have to be disclosed. So I think it's not just about going to a website. I think you have to go like, I don't. I forgot what it was, but you have to take it to the next level. But you can. And there are co- there are companies and landlords that get sued all the time. There was yeah. a big yeah. case. Was it the Tishman Spire? What was that? Not the Tishman. The um uh the the five billion dollar purchase in Stuyvesant Town. Um, no. Stuyvesant. Uh, I forgot. I forgot Peter who. Peter Cooper per- Village. Peter Cooper Peter. and Stuyvesant, but I forgot who purchased that. But but they got into a lot of trouble because they were taking tenants off rent stabilization when they shouldn't be. And I have a friend that kept telling me how he's going to get this check. From from them because he was supposed to still be rent stabilized. Sure enough, he got a check in the mail for like thirty fifty thousand dollars, yeah. thirty to fifty thousand yeah. dollars, and all these tenants did. They got a big settlement because mm-hmm. the landlord took them off rent stabilization when they weren't right. supposed to be off rent. Which stabilization. isn't a big settlement, by the way. That is one year's worth of rent in New York City yeah, for right. a studio. That's right. Yeah. I have another friend on the Upper West Side who's going through this currently. Um, same situation. They were taken off of um, uh, rent stabilization too prematurely, and they're all now sitting back waiting for lofty checks to come their way. And, you know, it's it's interesting because this is a topic that I want to talk about in the next couple of weeks because I get these questions all the time, just based on the show, forget about my own real estate business, but just based on the show, people are very interested in the rent rules and the rent regulations and how, you know, somebody can be paying $500 a month in the same building, in the same line, and you're paying $3,000 a month. You know, So yeah. we all understand that as, as, as real estate experts here, but we need to um, sort of educate the, the listening audience and certainly around the world where they you know listen to these numbers anyway about uh, New York real estate and, and just don't get any of it. Yeah. But the and, rent and, rules are very important. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, people don't realize how many people are rent-stabilized. There's a roughly 2 million rental mm-hmm. units in the city, and a million of them are rent-stabilized. I mean, half. That's amazing. And that's, it's phenomenal. By the city, though, you mean the five boroughs? Yeah, or you five boroughs. The five okay. boroughs. Yeah. And yeah. de Blasio's got a big campaign and a, and a big program to return to stabilized units. Many, 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 I forgot how many thousands of apartments I read just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, putting thousands of apartments back under rent stabilization rules. So now that includes preferential rent as well, right? Uh, well, I would so. assume. Pre- preferential rent is a term used when the legal rent stabilized rate is actually a number that is above the market rate. So in other words, let's say a landlord's allowed to charge based on what's legal for that rent stabilized apartment, $2,000. That's what they're allowed to charge. But the market can't bear that. The apartment's only worth $1,500. Exactly. In that case, they have to do what's called preferential rent and, and they take off $500 off the rent. And they get they tax special, deductions from the city, I would assume, um, by doing that. There's you know, a, I'm not sure about think, the tax yeah, deductions. So. That could yep. be the case. Yep. Um, but there has to be, there's a separate preferential rent rider that goes along with this to, to prove to the tenant that – Here's what's going on. Just to fully disclose right. the tenant, which what's states going on. what the market value would exactly. be, what and the, then what you're paying, right. and then it, it outlines the MCI as well. Right. The, Should they do the major capital improvements, then they are allowed to increase the rent. Right. It's all yeah. disclosed. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's included in that million units that you said. I'd, yeah, that'll be. That I would absolutely, assume. Yeah. Because yeah. anything that has prefer, if, if you're using the term preferential rent, it, yeah. it means that that unit is rent stabilized. Yeah. Those so, are scores. Yeah. When you find those for clients, it's yeah. a huge score. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. All right, so this season, along with Christmas trees and Hanukkah menorahs, the lobbies of most residential buildings here have uh, empty boxes to collect donations for New Yorkers in need. Real estate management companies have found that organized holiday giving instills a sense of camaraderie and community among their tenants at a time of year when the need for warm coats and toys is particularly high. I'm a big believer in giving back all year long, but what can we do this season to give back to those in need? I mean, you know, we, this comes up every year, you know, in holidays uh, season in or in the buildings. And I know I enjoy putting something in that box. And sometimes I put more than, you know, one or two things in the box. And it's like because there are people in this town, you know, who cannot afford the things that we can or live the way we live. Um, and it's not their fault, you know, so why not help out? But what else can we do? I mean, it's a big concern. Well, I think. We have to look on our streets and in our neighborhoods. There are so many organizations that help people who don't have as much as we do, and we don't even know they exist. There's an organization right near our office that our office adopted called Cassidy's Place, and mm. what they do is it's sort of a head start program for children, for young, very young children who live in shelters, who live under the poverty line. And in our office, we collect warm clothing and um, – toys for them. But throughout the year, we do things with them as a an office charity. So it's just a small place, but I didn't even know it existed. When you walk past it, there's no sign. You don't know, which is nice because it's dignity for these kids and these families. But I think if we walk up and down our blocks and we just start talking around to the doormen and the supers who hang out on the streets, you will find these charities that need all kinds of help Throughout the year, as Vin said, I think we all like to give back. We think it's important year-round, especially now. But just start looking for them. You'll find them. All right. We have to take a break. Um, On the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about the best, the worst, and the most baffling stories of 2015 in real estate. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and this is our last segment for 2015. More on that in a minute. But anyway, we want to talk about the best, the worst, 
and the most baffling stories of the year in real estate. It's that time of year when we look back at some of the best, worst, and most baffling stories. Of course, here from Brick Underground is a list from their second annual um, yearbook-style superlative. So they claim, oh, by the way, we're here with Rachel Altschiller, Phil Horgan, and Deborah Hoffman once again. The biggest potential splurge of the year, like most expensive New York City's uh, homes on the market, a three a three townhouse home asking a hundred a three townhouse home asking $120 million. I guess it's three townhouses put together on the market for $120 million. Oh, really? Is that the one on 60th Street? 61st Street? I don't know. There are two, I, I, I thought. There's two, aren't they? Doesn't Madonna's place? Madonna's no, no, on the east side, Madonna's. but she's already this done that. Safra. Safra bought, and they have had this for years. Yes. And I used to walk by it. And it's been on and off the market. Sale by owner mm-hmm. sign that took up mm-hmm. the length of these three townhouses. And I said, Who's this idiot? Who do they think they are? I bet they're asking, you know, three hundred million for this wow. or something. And they were Wow. <laughs> by the way, yeah, she's right. Yeah, it, it's the, amazing. The yeah. price has come down significantly, it's but still hundred and twenty million dollars. Exactly. You just do the math, it doesn't seem to make sense for those particular three but and, and you know what? They've been advised by the broker community multiple times, split them up, sell them individually. They do not, they want to sell them. But there is something special about having something that wide, I would think. Until you see it. Yeah. Walk by it. It's right down the street from your office. <laughs> How many people need a house that big? <laughs> no, it's, but, but it's also the way it's done because I've been inside because I, I kind of chatted with uh, the construction guys when they were doing it a couple of years ago. And I said, they're out of their minds, these owners. They really are. <laughs> they are. And so Brook Underground also says the worst way to stir up interest in a not actually new borough but the Bronx is – Throwing a the Bronx is the Bronx is burning party by developers. Everybody is carrying on about the South Bronx, the new development. The Bronx is so burning. bro, so bro. <laughs> the Bronx is on fire. I mean, this is a big story from 2015. I mean, comments. You know, we had the Bronx Borough President yeah. on this show a it couple was a great of months show. back. And, you know, it's it's fact that, um, you know, that waterfront area in the South Bronx is developing, and it's developing beyond anyone's wildest expectations. But now I think they're getting just a little too cocky with their advertising. You know, the Bronx is burning and come to Sobro and another term that, you know, people are like, huh, what? Yeah. Well, there's a backlash also going on with the residents who currently live there. I mean, they're really not welcoming it, and they're pretty vocal about well, it. Well, because as we talk about yeah. all the time in all of these neighborhoods and Brooklyn, they're going to be pushed out probably because they can't or no lo- no longer can afford to live But they are going to be to even there. more vocal than anyone from Brooklyn. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yep. Jenny well, from the block is coming out. You bet. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised. Actually, she was used in campaigns uh, this past summer. She yeah. did a concert up there yeah. for the developers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say the toughest nut to crack this year in 2014 was de Blasio's rezoning plan, and I completely understand that. That can't be an easy task. The saddest example of one of the most uh, of one of the more ch- uh, prominent changes: the more they stay the same, numbers of homeless, unfortunately, in New York has been on the rise in all of 2015. And I read that story at the top of the show today. Why is this happening? I mean, I, I don't think any of us have a real answer, but the number of homeless in New York City, all five boroughs, in 2015 is on the rise. It's not a baffling story. It's a sad story, but it's a true story. It's really tough. I mean, do you guys have any opinions as to why it is? Deborah, you seem I could, like I could guess because, and again, my, my office is on 79th and 2nd, and we have a number of homeless people in that neighborhood on the far Upper East Side. There's a few of them. There's one woman in particular who stands there with all her stuff and screams at everyone, just screams, yells, screams, and then she spits at anybody passing her. Oh, dear. She's been there for a couple years, and 
Mayor de Blasio initiated this new thing that you dial 311 and the police will come and take care of it. But I see the police interacting with the homeless and whatever orders they're under. They're just kind of chatting with them, trying to get them to a shelter, but they're not being forceful. Now, I don't know what's right or what's wrong, but I do remember back in the Giuliani years how they kind of forced people into shelters and into – not necessarily institutions because the institutions aren't taking these people anymore, but hospitals if there's really something wrong physically or mentally, and the police aren't doing that anymore. Well, back in the Giuliani years, I remember a story. I was commuting you know, on the railroad into Grand Central every day before I moved into the city full-time, and you know, I used to pass this nun, this woman, sitting on the sidewalk right outside Grand Central Terminal. Oh, yes, but the prayer book and the beads and the this and the that. And her leg was always in some kind of a cast, whatever. And so, you know, I would give her money through the years because she was a nun. It's a sister. You know, I'm Catholic. You know, I just felt, you know, the thing to do and the poor woman, you know, whatever. And I didn't assume she was homeless, but she was still a sister and whatever. And, you know, I was young, so I probably didn't understand. But one day I got, took an earlier train to work. And this is after probably a year. I know where this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching. So I see. I used to see her too. I, I saw this woman kind of running through the terminal and she had all this stuff in her arms. And I, I said, where is she going in such a hurry? And it was a nun. And I thought, wow, some, is somebody chasing her? Or is she just late for someplace? She runs and she goes to her spot. She sits down. She puts the, the, the plastic cast on her leg. And oh. she gets herself all dressed up and da 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 and, and the bag and the this and the that and the beads. And I just looked at her. And I, you, I don't even want to tell you what I wanted to say to her. But I just... Looked at her and I shook my head because, you know, every morning I would nod and, you know, good morning, sister, you know, whatever. And I thought that kind of just colored me for, Mm -hmm. you know, the rest of of, of time. But then all that went away. And now it seems to be kind of coming back back. again. And now what I'm finding, and I don't want to sound harsh because I am a a good person. I give. I promise Mm -hmm. you. But now the streets of New York have become a stage Mm -hmm. for people to be dishonest. I'm seeing women with babies who are drugged. I'm seeing people putting on costumes. The nun one is a good one, by the way. I'm seeing people use dogs because Mm -hmm. people give more with animals. It's absolutely disgusting. And I, I wish that I had time to walk the streets and yell at people to not give the money because you're encouraging it. <clears throat> Yesterday, there was someone on the subway who uh, said that he was, on behalf of the city, going around for AIDS awareness, collecting money. And he had, and th- again, I was kind of convinced this was legitimate. I don't know. He said he had something around his neck that said, this gives him the authority to do this. The city's mm-hmm. okay with it. And he was talking with some people that seemed to know him and people giving him money. And I thought you were not allowed to ever collect money on the subway. So, but this is, so my guess is yeah. that it's illegal. Mm-hmm. But here he was saying he has this official looking badge and yeah. he's, you know, on Another behalf great of costume. anyone and who owns a word processor could make one. Right, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, he just, he seemed, he had a, a certain authority about him. And he was just like, <laughs> so and what happens, you don't know what to believe, you right. know? And right. then, and you kind of want to give money, but then you're like, but this could just be a scam. As, but you can't as Vince give. Just said. Give to yeah. charities, give to legitimate right. charities. Yes. You right. cannot give on the subway. And I see it yes. all the time, and I know their intentions are good, and I love that about this city. But you can't, you can't encourage the panhandlers to walk the subways. Tourism is important. We have to keep this city mm-hmm. great. We we absolutely do. But you know, all of the above is what makes a city like this always interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just kind of wonder how where we start sometimes and where we finish and 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 all of the things that happen in between one more the biggest etiquette question of the year to talk or not to talk to the other people in your cab shares like Uber, Via, 
I do Lyft, it all the time. That's yellow oh, cab. Dev. Dev is getting all over that topic. Or better. <laughs> or I can't better wait to hear this. We don't have too much time, but you know what? Here's the yeah. thing, and it's not only just talking to each other, but what about when somebody just sits next to you in a via car, and they just start talking on their phone, and they're having a business conversation, and I'm like, <laughs> mister, really? We're not supposed to. The driver's supposed to tell them. In a via, they're really not supposed to. It's one of the rules when you look at the mm-hmm. – um, when you sign the thing that you never read – <laughs> when you said, I agree, you're really not supposed to. Or sometimes people will say to me, I just have to call my sister and tell her I'm a half hour late. Do you mind? I don't mind if it's a quickie like that yeah. or same thing. But, Deb, do you I get into these cabs and you actually talk to your neighbor next door? Yes. Sitting next to you? you do. It just happened <laughs> She's yesterday. a real estate well, broker. Someone was, that's right. But you know what? There was a man in, in a via next to me <laughs> yesterday who had a crutch and had his whole leg you know, wrapped up, whatever. So I said, oh, do you want me to get in on the other side so I don't? you don't have to slide over? And, oh, that's so nice, whatever. So we did that. And then we were picking up someone else. And I said, you know, so you don't have to move. I'll go sit at the front. I went and I sat in the front. We all started talking. And at the end, it turns out he was looking for a real estate broker. He, started, he got there out of the go. same spot mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. and we swapped cars. Well, I'm getting the signal. We have we to go. That Unfortunately, that is Good Morning New York for this week. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We are not here next year. week. We are repeating next week and we are back live on January 5th, oh. 2016. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. And we will see you on January 5th. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.